Hey, it's Doug, and this is Microcast number 94. Lots to squeeze in today, if I can. It's a lovely sunny day in the northeast of England, so I'm hoping to get this done and then spend some time outside. But the three things I want to talk about are one article is called Solar Punk Notes Towards a Manifesto. That's actually from 2014. The second one is about plans for a $400 billion new city in the American desert unveiled. And then the third one is Jeff Bezos and the new pharaohs. Jeff Bezos being the former um, CEO of Amazon, uh, the founder, etc. I'm also going to try and weave in a post that I wrote this week called Bright Green, Blight Green and Lean Green Futures based on a podcast featuring Vinay Gupta. So here goes. So there's this theory or this approach called solar punk. And I came across this via um, Ivan Minatillo, who I worked with at MoodleNet, hired him as UX designer and developer, and he was on the team when I did some Catalyst work as well. And solar punk is this approach towards the future, which has this rebellious vibe, hence the punk. But the solar punk bit um, is all to do with imagining a different kind of world. So this particular one, solar punk towards, notes towards a manifesto says, we're solar punks because the only other options are denial or despair, referencing the climate emergency, right? So I'm just going to quote this a little bit. Solar punk is about finding ways to make life more wonderful for us right now, and more importantly for the generations that follow us, i.e. extending human life at the species level rather than individually. Our future must involve repurposing and creating new things from what we already have, instead of 20th century, destroy it all and build something completely different, modernism. Our futurism is not nihilistic like cyberpunk, and it avoids steampunk's potentially quasi-reactionary tendencies. It is about ingenuity, generativity, independence, and community. And it talks about kind of the aesthetic and the vibe and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it'll evolve over time. And, and again, quote, Obviously, the further you get into the future, the more ambitious you can get. In the long term, Solarpunk takes the images we've been fed by bright green blogs and draws them out further, longer and deeper. Imagine permaculturists thinking in cathedral time. Consider terraced irrigation systems that also act as fluidic computers. Contemplate the life of a Department of Reclamation officer managing a sparsely populated American Southwest given over to solar collection and pump storage. Imagine smart cities being jumped in favour of smart citizenry. End of quote. So that's the idea of solar punk, something which seems to be gaining ground. In fact, I saw it on BBC News recently. And then we move on to this article in CNN, which is plans for a $400 billion new city in the American desert unveiled. So this is a billionaire, Mark Law, and he used to work for Walmart. He was an executive there. Um, he needs to obviously to get the funding. He hasn't got all that money himself. But it says, quote, the ambitious 150,000 acre proposal promises eco-friendly architecture, sustainable energy production, and a purportedly drought-resistant water system. A so-called 15-minute city design will allow residents to access their workplaces, schools, and amenities within a quarter-hour commute of their homes. Although planners are still scouting for locations, possible targets include Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Arizona, Texas, and the Appalachian region, according to the project's official website. And it talks about the kind of images which are in this vision. 
um, and it talks about all the residential buildings being covered by greenery and a, a, a enjoying abundant open space and fossil fuel powered vehicles being banned. And it says, quote, another image depicts a proposed skyscraper dubbed Equitism Tower, which is described as a beacon for the city. The building features elevated water storage, aeroponic farms, and an energy-producing photovoltaic roof that allow it to share and distribute all it produces. The first phase of construction, which would accommodate 50,000 residents across 1,500 acres, comes with an estimated cost of $25 billion. The whole project would be expected to exceed $400 billion, with the city reaching its target population of 5 million within 40 years. Then the last bit I just want to quote from this um, is, quote, uh, it is not the first new city being planned by this particular firm, this architect, which fam famously installed a ski slope on top of a Copenhagen power plant and has co-designed Google's new headquarters in London and California. In January 2020, Japanese car maker Toyota revealed that it had commissioned Big, that's the name of the architect, to, com to create a master plan for a new 2,000-person city in the foothills of Mount Fuji. Although significantly smaller than Tolosa, the project, dubbed Woven City, promises autonomous vehicle testing, smart technology, and robot-assisted living, end of quote. Now, some thoughts on this. 2,000 people does not make a city, first of all. Um, I live in a, a market town which has 20,000, 25,000 people. It's a town, not a city. The reason we call it city is it sounds cooler. Um, smart cities are, are a thing. There was the sidewalk initiative in Toronto, which was abandoned. There is no way that this is going to be successful on the scale that they're talking about. But what I find really interesting is that people are talking about having like enclaves where everything is turning out all right. So I do, before I get on to the Jeff Bezos one, I want to bring in an article that or post that I wrote this week based on some thoughts of Vinay Gupta in a podcast that I listened to. So Vinay talks about the difference between bright green, light green and lean green. So bright green, what, what he calls a useful lie, um, he says that to suggest that we're going to like have these huge zero footprint skyscrapers covered in solar panels and vertical gardens just isn't scalable. You'd have to be making $250,000 a year to live in one, but hey, at least you're not part of this, the problem anymore, you're part of the solution. So bright green, he says, is, is luxury branding for a sustainable world which might end up paying for technologies which can then cascade down. It's kind of the iPhone model of a green future, he says. Um, whereas he's talking about lean green, and maybe we can get into that in a moment. But what's interesting to me is that you have people trying to extend capitalism into the future and say, hey, if you don't want to be part of the problem, how about you come and do this thing here? And then, of course, it all works for those people there, but climate change is a is a worldwide problem, so I don't know how they're going to get around that. It's a bit like the vaccine, isn't it, for COVID. You might be able to vaccinate your population like the Western world's doing, but you're never safe um, unless you vaccinate everyone. So bright green is like the marketing department for sustainable futures, and solar punk is kind of much more inclusive um, in that way. Now, I wanted to include this article, Jeff Bezos and the New Pharaohs, because I think that what is being talked about with that $400 billion city is indicative of this very top-down hierarchical, solutionizing, um, we know what's best, let's impose it kind of approach, which goes on. Um, and this particular article is about immortality and the attempts of billionaires to live forever. But what I really find interesting is the metaphor, which is used of the pyramid, 
to to kind of evoke the idea of Egyptian pharaoh. So a couple of quotations from this. Quote, the tech tycoons are investing heavily in the prospect of a living forever, or at the very least, as much closer approximation of eternity than any mortal has ever enjoyed. End of quote. Now, the author of this article, Joe Allen, um, on Substack, talks about Jeff Bezos the being a technocratic pharaoh. And he talks about, you know, the Egyptian pharaohs try to live forever. They had their, I used to teach this when I was a history teacher, they used to have their insides pulled out through the, the nostrils, like their brain, things put in canopic jars, etc. Uh, magic spells, kill some slaves, put them in, um, put them in the pyramids, bury them alive, all this kind of stuff. Um, whatever you want to do. And then they'd have these secret chambers and stuff for the afterlife, food, etc. Armies made out of clay, whatever. Um, and this this guy, Jarlan, says, well, for the past two and a half decades, Jeff Bezos has constructed a digital pyramid that spans the globe. At the base is the public, the homebound, periodically locked down, smartphone-addicted customers with which he is so obsessed. Their private conversations are monitored by his Alexa eavesdropping design devices. Their neighbourhoods are monitored by his ring cameras on their doorways. And then it talks about, like, the the levels of this pyramid. So the next level up is Amazon's 1.3 million workers. Their every action is monitored for efficiency, etc. Um, above that is kind of algorithms. So what if people like this, like that, you know, um, suggesting things for people to buy. There's the Washington Post, which Bezos owns. Business Insider, in which he has a stake, where you're trying to manipulate public opinion and things. Above that, you've got Amazon Web Services, which is the largest cloud computing serv service provider in the world. Um, clients include Disney and the CIA. Above that is Blue Origin, the space exploration corporation that sent Bezos into orbit on the tip of a hilariously phallic rocket ship. And now at the pinnacle, which is what he's talking about here, is Altos Labs, where chimeric fetuses and pluripotent stem cells are expected to yield the elixir of immortality. And then he says, quote, whether openly or implicitly, our tech oligarchs have embraced the goals and dogmas of transhumanism. So transhumanism, the, the kind of far-end version of that, is uploading you, your personality, you as a, who you are inside, into a computer so you can continue living. Um, but there's different kind of stages of transhumanism. So what I think is interesting from all of these articles are the stories that we tell ourselves about the future and what it is that we're trying to do. Are we recognising that we're human and being humble in the face of nature and trying to do things which are sustainable? Or are we trying to impose our will on nature, make sure that things are okay for us and our mates, um, and try and live for, for as long as we can forever? I think that what Vinay talked about with blight, uh, bright green, blight green, and lean green is really useful. I've explained what bright green wa what is. It's kind of the iPhone model of a green future. Blight green is doing stuff which might save the world, but also might screw us more than actual climate change. So things like nuclear power, heavy biotech, genetically engineering animals, uh, geoengineering, that kind of thing. Whereas lean green is basically dividing up everything we've got by the number of people we've got in the world and making sure that we live within our limits. So interesting times, I think, in terms of the future. And I think we're going to see a lot more walled off enclaves, islands of people who are trying to um, live sustainably and ethically and whatever, um, not realizing that they are actually part of the problem by not being equitable and sustainable. 
Anyway, that is microcast number 94. Cheers for now. <laughs>